We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, Yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are we today? We are a little bit under the weather. If you can't tell, I've got a little bit of a cold. The kids have had it for on and off a few weeks now. Harry had it the other day and I was like, I never get sick. You're always sick. And here I am. And it happened after us camping over the weekend. So I'm not sure how it came about, but I am a few octaves lower than normal. But I promise you it's only for the intro. And do you think it has anything to do with your lack of tent cover when you're away because <laughs> our listeners always love your travel stories. So I think you need to fill them in on how you went camping without a tent cover. Is that what it's There's called? All- a tent cover? I think so. We'll just go with that. Yeah. There's always something when it comes to us going on any adventure, but um, we've got two sides of the story as always. <laughs> so originally last year we went on a camping trip and uh, my husband forgot the tent poles. So we didn't actually put up any tent and it was blowing a gale. It was like one of the worst thunderstorms ever. And we were under a gazebo that just did not And it was torrential work. rain. It was it? torrential rain. We ended up being next to someone that got murdered. It was a really horrible... Not that night. (laughs) Yes. No, not that night. It was actually something that happened, you know, years before we got there, but still absolute creepy vibes. And then this time we decided, oh, let's just, you know, be spontaneous. We'll go camping for one night. It's beautiful weather, blah, blah, blah. So I'm packing up the... I'm setting up the 10-man tent, as I do, and it just pops on up. Yeah, flex. And then I go, oh, babe where's the tent cover? Harry's like, should be in there. Why isn't in there? And I'm like, there's no tent cover. Did you not think to check? Well, it should have been in there from last time. Anyway, then he goes on to tell me that he doesn't really mind. And it was actually part of his grand plan that there was no tent cover because it's not going to rain. It's going to be beautiful at night and we're going to wake up and be happy as Larry. Turns out, He's very, very lucky. We were very happy. We had a really good sleep. But did I get a cold from the no tent cover? I'll let you guys decide. I just love, I think that's such a husband, partner, man thing to do is to be like, oh, no, 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 I meant that. Like we'll go, uh, you know, we didn't want to pack anything (laughs) unnecessary. So like I knew it was going to be good weather. So uh, yeah, I purposely didn't pack the tent cover and how good is staring at the stars? And you're like, yeah, right, (laughs) mate, yeah. Pipe down, Chachi. Oh, far out. There's always something. Now, how are you and how is that scrumptious little delicious baby pearl? She is in the naughty corner this morning. (laughs) 
Ooh, no, she Kelly. has still been an absolute delight, but this morning has been a little bit more of a dose of reality. As we record this, it is 1 p.m. and I have literally just got her down to sleep. She has cluster fed all morning, just nonstop, nonstop. So I kept saying to Jade, just going to have to push it back 20 minutes, push it back 20 minutes, push it back 20 minutes. And then of course, on top of that, Poppy couldn't go to daycare today. We don't think she's actually sick. I think she's so tired from a weekend spent with her cousins that she basically nearly fell asleep. This is a near five-year-old, nearly fell asleep on Nick at drop-off at like nine o'clock this morning. And Nick was just like, I couldn't leave her. So Goldie went running in poppy came home but it's fine she's at that age that you just pop her in front of a screen and let her have some downtime so that's fine but yeah it's just one of those things that you think they're finally off to daycare for the week and then one of them's home we dealt with goldie also having gastro overnight the other night so nick and i were both up about five times overnight him to clean up vomit me to feed Pearl. So I do think reality is kind of setting in a bit more, but I do feel like we still went into this journey with very realistic expectations Mm. of the chaos. So I do think so far we're still, we still feel like we're doing all right. But even though you have your realistic views, does it help or does it still feel chaotic? It still feels chaotic, but I don't think we never went into it with, I think sometimes with your third, your fourth, your fifth, whatever, you can get into that mentality where it's just throwing another one on the pile. And I know that you, I feel like you have said before that you, and I feel like I learned this from you, is that you almost didn't give yourself the benefit of going, no, this is a whole nother human. It's not just, Mm. oh yeah, whatever, two to three, it's no big deal. Like it's a whole nother human. And I feel like I have been around so many any three kid families who have been like, holy shit, the third is an absolute clusterfuck. So I feel like I've gone into it being like, it's a whole nother human, you know, you almost can't get complacent on that. So I do feel like the realistic, the more realistic expectations have helped, but my gosh, when Goldie went down with gastro, I was sitting there having premonitions into the future going, what if this takes the whole family out? Touch wood, it was just her so far. But I was sitting there imagining myself like vomiting over the top of Pearl while I'm trying to breastfeed. And I would, on the topic of vomit, I would say the thing that has been the hardest so far is that every single evening Pearl does a monumental vomit and it always ends up all over me, all over her. It's often after she's been cluster feeding, she's just about to go to sleep. I feel like I'm just about to put her down and be able to like shut my eyes for the first time of the evening. I end up needing to have a shower. I end up needing to call out to Nick to get her changed and then she's wide awake and I have to start the feeding all over again. And it is just, it's just at that exact wrong time of the night, like somewhere between 7.30 and 9 o'clock and it's just defeating because you know what has just been vomited all over you is like something that you produced and then like she took so long taking and you're just like oh fuck what about the mentality when you when that happens and you're like oh i wonder how long one we can leave her with that spew on her two 
could she like get through the night with that will that dry yeah and then three can I have a shower and then come back and actually change that or does this all have to be done now well Nick because I always call out to Nick when it happens and he's always oh, doing good. this assessment like because mm, she's always like already swaddled he's mm. like mm. Like there's not that much <laughs> on it. Fine. And I'm like, yeah. It's like when they do a poo right at the end of you finishing a feed and they're like basically asleep and That's you're like, oh, it just sounded like a little bit of a fart. A like I'm sure, like I'm sure they won't even notice it's in there and then they wake up half an hour later and you're like, oh, I should have just changed it to begin with. But no, we're in general, we're going really well over here. Hey, what's the worst for you? having a child with gastro or having a partner with gastro and I'm going to say and emphasize man with gastro because Harry (laughs) had it last week and Billy had it last week and let me guess he had the worst gastro that has ever existed ever in the whole entire world yeah the whole whole household heard and they knew about it it was like his vomits are like so dramatic that you really think that he's he's going to die and he didn't die he was okay (laughs) he was fine I'm in a stage of parenthood where I am really relying on Nick as a parent and as much as I do not wish illness on my children if Nick went down with gastro right now the wheels may just fall off completely. <laughs> <laughs> so I am proud to say I did my first morning of the three of them on their own the other morning and I oh, not just survived, go? I felt like I thrived. So I was very, Good. very proud of myself. We've also been to the beach a few times with all three of them and that has just been so nice to get out of the house. And, yeah, so I feel like we're ticking a few things off, um, a few milestones and, you know, they'll start to become normal soon and can just become a way of life so that's that's nice fantastic um I have a bit of a low moment oh you know how whenever you look for socks they're they're missing or you just can't find the pair to the sock yeah I the other day have freaking found out where the socks have gone and I can't believe it Juno delicately picks up a sock just she'll one. go into someone's closet, she'll tiptoe out or she'll go into someone's shoe and just pick out a sock and she slowly walks off and then digs a hole and pops it. It's like her Aww. delicacy. That's what she does. We have socks now, Doug, all over the farm. Oh, my God, as if you need help losing socks. Yeah, but can we talk about how Billy, I think we spoke about this last week, is really pedantic on socks and yeah. only like specific socks. All her socks have been dug out in the garden. Sandals only from now on. Oh, I can't deal. I actually can't deal. So that's I've got a a Rudolph fabulous that's hopefully gonna make you. Oh yes, you do. Go. Go. Hi ladies, I love the show. I have a bit of a Rudolph fabulous for you. My husband and I share a Spotify account. When my husband goes to work at a maximum security jail (laughs) and is in the office, he will log into our Spotify account on the computer so he can listen to music. Occasionally, if he is already listening and I jump on the account when I'm driving, it'll play what I'm listening to through his computer as well. (laughs) I'm normally pretty good. And if I'm listening to a podcast, I'll do it on the podcast app so he can have the music. Anyway, I'd started listening to your episode with Maggie, the Peninsula Mama over the weekend on Spotify. (laughs) And today when I jumped in the car, it just automatically came straight on. I was right at that juicy part talking about sex and the different ways to enjoy it when the podcast stopped and cut to music. Little did I know it was also playing through my husband's work 
computer, but he had stepped out of the office and had left the music to play for his colleagues. Needless to say, he had some explaining to do. I don't know whether to be mortified they all heard that I was listening to that or proud that I may have provided some education on intimacy after birth through my listening choices. Holy shit. That is one I of just the love best. that. That is one of the best that we've had. And I want to know exactly what his mate said about that whole situation. We'll have to wait and hear what Elise has to say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got emailed a mum hack. Hi, guys, obsessed with your podcast. (laughs) But the reason I'm here is on Disney Plus, there is a wonderful thing called Dory's Reef Cam. It's quite literally just white noise and the characters from Finding Nemo swimming around. Perfect for when you need to step away for five minutes because you're feeling overwhelmed but also need the baby to calm down. Oh, Isn't that nice? How nice. I might just go watch that to calm down after a morning Me of glass-defeating. <laughs> Nick will be like, what are you watching? I'm like, Dory's Reef Cam, of course. <laughs> now we're going to get into today's episode. We spoke to the incredible Lola Berry all about her experience with freezing her eggs. This is not really a discussion we've had before in terms of people future planning for their fertility and deciding to freeze their eggs. As always, when we have our personal discussions, we don't want this to be treated as medical advice. And of course, everyone's personal journey or experience with freezing their eggs and IVF, etc., is going to be different. So please just take this as Lola's story and we hope that you enjoy it. Enjoy. Hello, Lola. Welcome to Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Oh, mate, how long have you guys got? As long as you want. Exactly. I think most Aussies would probably know me mainly as a nutritionist and health and wellness author. So I've written loads of different books. The recipe is just about feeling good and just really honest food. So I'm all about keep it simple, pull the baddies out, just keep it, no, really honest. But I guess of late it's more for me the pod and writing more about mental health and self-development. And then at 35 I was like, stuff this, I'm going to I'm gonna do my dream career and be, be an actor. And so I've been training. Actually, I'd started training nearly full-time in acting at about 31. So I'm 37 now. So I've been training for six years, but I've never called, I'm to get too nervous to call myself an actor. I've like started to, but until you book that gig, you're kind of yeah, like, right. I'm a failing actor effectively. How cool. Talk about not, I mean, you haven't changed your career because I guess you still do the things that you did before, yeah. but I feel like it's only this generation that have had the courage to really change careers or diversify their careers. I guess even a generation before it was like you go to uni or you train in something and then you do that for 50, 60, however many years. How has that been? Not really older in life, I guess, if you did it at 31. Oh, let's be real, it's older. <laughs> yeah, what was taking that step like? Because I'm also someone who's yeah, changed their career. So. For me, actually, I went through a rough breakup at yeah about 30, 31, and I went to a therapist for the first time because I just wasn't facing, like he started dating someone a week later and I couldn't handle mm. no closure and the rejection all at once. And so I just couldn't get through a day without thinking about it. And someone's like, you got to, Lola, 
go to a therapist. And we, in all honesty, we wrapped that relationship up in about three sessions. And I said to the therapist. <laughs> Did that make you feel quite good after going, oh, okay, actually it wasn't that dramatic? Yeah, he was just a narcissist that was teaching me a lesson. But my, I said to my therapist, hey, I actually feel good. Can I keep coming back? And since then, I've not never not seen my therapist. I see my therapist either every week or every second week, depending on what's going on in life. And it was probably about oh, three months in and I go, oh my God, I think I'm living my backup career. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, I'm a nutritionist. That was always what I'd do if I never made it as an actor. And he was like, okay, well, you better get to acting school. And that's where it all started. And it was in an acting school where time just stopped. And I remember I was working on a scene with a director and I was like, oh, my God, there's like electricity running through my veins right now yeah. and nothing else mattered. And I was like, oh, this is the artist chasing something that is bigger than them. And that's when I was like, oh, my God, I've just got to keep doing this thing. And I don't know how that's going to turn out. Like I'd love to be like a late night talk show host like Steve Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel like, or I might act, who knows, but I'm just chasing it all and I'm chasing. Just small dreams. Yes. Pinot ones, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's why. It came from therapy in all honesty. So good. And then so you live six months, six months here and in LA. So tell us about that. So when I decided that was the dream, it took me three years to get my green card. So that means you're an American resident. So now I pay death tax. A lot of fun. What's death tax? It's an American thing. That is a very American thing. (laughs) But so I literally have six months of the year there and I fully focus on acting. Like I'll be in acting school, I'll be self-taping, which is just auditions daily and I'll be doing voice school, improv, whatever I can to kind of like skill up and just kind of get better at the craft. And then when I'm here, I'm in, and I still do all my podcasting and everything. I'll travel around with all my pod gear. It's the beauty of it, hey. Right? Yeah. Isn't it so good? And and then when I'm here, I kind of use that to balance me out because LA is pretty full on. But so yeah. What, what's it like acting school? Like what do you do day in, day out? Right. It depends on this class. But if you're in, I've been in classes where, and this is not a joke and I wasn't even did not, this wasn't the funny story I was telling you I had. I was in a class and I had to do a scene where a younger actor was getting off on me verbally dominating him, like calling him shitty names. And literally he, getting off. I thought you just did a slip of the tongue and no, you're no, like, no, like, I'm like, ha oh, innuendo. No, no, literally masturbating on this, like as in an actor pretending to. Oh, right? pretending. Like for the scene. dick out. No, but like all the sounds sounded like it. Right? Oh. So we're doing this in class, in a theatre, all my students watching me and I sat down after. So it's scary, right? Yeah. You're in your PJs <laughs> doing the scene and the teacher goes, Lola, not sexual enough, feel it in your clip. No. And you're watching this in LA. You're watching all your classmates all snickering and you're like, right. So yeah, I you're right. I wasn't this. feeling that in my clip. That was not. So a class can be that, right? Or it can be improv school where it feels like you're more learning physical stuff like how to be a clown and how to fall and fun stuff. Or I've been in voiceover school where you you literally spend a class learning how to make death sounds. Like if you were to get stabbed in the guts or the throat or if you were to die of fire and you're like learning to be like grenade, grenade to the left, like you're learning all that. Like So I just love, I'm a sponge and I love learning. So it really depends on the class. But a funny story about the day in the life in LA. I got my first, I signed with a commercial agent, so that means you're auditioning for commercials. And I got my first audition, and it was like 
Kristen Bell type. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got, oh, yeah, mm. I feel like I have mm. this. I have that vibe. Mm. Right, and I'm reading down and I was my first audition, right? So, yes, I've got my self-tape set up. i got good lighting. I'm ready to go. Done my slate, which is the bit where you're like, oh, hey, I'm Lola. I'm from Australia. You're trying to kind of win them <laughs> over. And I'm reading the script and I was like, oh, wow, this is an ad for vagina deodorant. And I had to barrel the camera and go, hi, I'm your fanny godmother. <laughs> yeah, and this is my favourite line, ready for it. I had to go, this is a whole body deodorant. I had to make a fairy's wand, so I just found a ruler tied ribbon around it, and I had to go, whole body deodorant, safe to use on your privates, point to my vagina, pits, point to my armpits, and feet. <laughs> yeah. That was my I'm first guessing it audition. wasn't a roll on. Mate, who knows? <laughs> I had to improvise, didn't I, just? But and do you play up the Australiana thing or do you try and neutralise yourself? So most auditions you have to do in an American dialect. Yeah. So I, I did that in an American dialect and then I was like, this is too good not to do Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. then I hand up the Aussie and I was yeah. like, I'm your fanny godmother. You know, like yeah. I just lent in, did not get the commercial. Shame. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to see the uh, end result. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my welcome to Los Angeles. Now, what are the things we wanted to focus on in this chat is you have recently been super open about your journey freezing your eggs. Now, has that been a decision that's been made because you've found this passion in your 30s? Totally. Talk us through that. So since 35, I've always thought, oh, okay, this is something you might need to think about in the next couple of years. It's always just been in the back of my mind. I've always talked about it with my therapist. So my boyfriend and I had a deal where each birthday we'd just check in and see how we felt about it all. And when I was in LA this year, I said to my boyfriend, shit, it's going to take me a while to make it. I said, it might take me the next three to five years. And in three years, I turned 40. And I was like, that means a window might shut that we're not ready for that to shut, i.e. becoming a mother. And he goes, I'm on board, whatever you want. And that was when I thought, well, let's let's look at freezing eggs. And that was when I flew back to Australia on a Sunday and on Monday I had my first appointment with a fertility naturopath. Being a nutritionist, I was like, I want to get everything on my team that I can get on my team, acupuncture, naturopath, and then find a really great fertility specialist that would kind of know what our goals were and be on board with that. And that took a little bit of finding mm. and having meetings because – you know, the word geriatric was thrown around mm. a lot. We only just found out, well, I, so you probably knew, but I only just found out that they use the term geriatric for anyone over the age of 35. I had a few conversations where someone said, well, you're already geriatric, so this plan is terrible, basically, because we were future planning. So our plan was to put eggs, but we end up doing embryos right. on ice so that you know, if we tried naturally in our, you know, 41, 40, and it wasn't working out, we thought, oh, well, we've, for lack of a better word, we've got this little insurance policy yeah. that we've worked on. And so that was the whole reason behind it. So what's it. the difference, just because I don't know? So embryo versus freezing eggs. I was mad keen on going down the egg, the egg path, and I just... In both scenarios with both specialists I saw, they were like, look, eggs are much higher in water content. So when we thaw and freeze them, they're just less stable, whereas an embryo is something like 98%. So an embryo has already been fertilized by the sperm. An egg is just the egg. Five days or six days. But obviously there's complexities to that because if – Lola only freezes embryos and not saying this is going to happen, but her and her partner break up, well, all she has frozen is his his sperm's already in it. But they are much more viable for like a healthy 
transfer down the track. And was, so was that a hard decision to make? Can you not do both? Well, if you want to do multiple rounds. So the thing that made it tricky for us is we're considered to be socially fer- infertile. So that means we're both fertile. So we're both able to fall, well, on paper, able to fall pregnant now, which means if you're considered to be socially infertile, there's no rebate. And so we paid full price. And so that's what made it really tricky. So it cost us $15,000, just shy of $15,000. So for us to do that again, like my American dreams would be all gone because I wouldn't have the money to support myself for next year. So we knew going into it that we would take the cards that we were dealt straight out. We'd worked both with our therapists and we thought, look, we're going to do this for future planning, but we're also going to be okay with whatever that result is. And the more that I researched and the more that I learned, like it is common to go through this whole process and get zero embryos. Yeah. And so it be- it becomes a very kind of like confronting process. So is there a part of you that when you're given that quote of $15,000, which is something that you could maybe literally go to bed with your partner right now and for free conceive yeah. a child. Like yeah. h- how do you weigh up those pros and cons? So I've worked really hard to get my green card and yeah. if you stay out of America for more than six months, your green card is jeopardised. Ah. And so if we got pregnant now and wanted a Bambino, Mm. I'd have like it would be really really hard and then you've got there well do we have a kid on American soil do we have a kid on Australian soil like I love the healthcare system here (laughs) so you know we 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 honestly just knew that it wasn't the right time for us and we we know we're also not ready like we've had very open conversations both with our therapists and with each other And we both are in the entertainment industry. My boyfriend is a composer and music producer and he's like, I'm not where I want to be yet. And I'm like, I want to give this acting ah, thing a crack. Yeah, it, and I see you both I mean, the same you're on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, Matt is amazing. He was like, I'm on your team, whatever you want to do. He's yeah. like, if you want to get an alpaca and not have a kid <laughs> one day, he's like, I'm there, whatever you want. He is phenomenal. Matt? We're the exact same age. We're two days apart, so we're both 37. That's so good. And so did you ever consider doing this process in the U.S. if you're there half the time? I looked into it, yeah. So it's a little bit dearer in the U.S. The more expensive thing in the U.S., though, is the you pay rent to have your frozen embryos or eggs kept on ice, and so that's a lot dearer in America. Whereas in Australia, I'm pretty sure I pay $35 a month, $38 a month. And how long can you freeze your eggs for? The clinic that we are with, we you sign a contract saying 10 years, but you can get that extended with okay. a lawyer and stuff. So that's the other thing, like this is really like a bit of an overshare, but I feel like it fits mm. this podcast. Like I said to Matt, what if we do break up, which is, yeah, and he's like, they're yours. And I was like, but does he have to legally So we have to get, a, so we've already signed that with the clinic, but we also have to have a lawyer write a contract which is so it sounds really clinical and gross but it's actually super respectful if you think yeah. about it and it saves for a lot of mess down the track absolutely and so if he were to pass away we've both signed on that can... so he would get them as well if so if yeah. for some reason I passed away and he was like fuck it I still want to use or he was in a situation where he might have been with someone that wasn't as fertile for our ages as well and he gets full he can use them and then if he passes away I I get them and do you think that if you guys broke up there would be any chance that you would use them 
if I was single, 100%. Yeah. 100%. If I was single and I think I've got more the parent, like I think I want to be a mother, mm, where yeah. especially after going through the IVF <laughs> thing, I'm like, shit, you better want this. <laughs> and I can talk about it too. I got hyperstimulation, which is right. like the yuckier side of what can happen with. Um, What's hyperstimulation? It's where your body kind of reacts too well and you create, like I had 22 follicles. So my ovaries went from walnuts to grapefruits. Whoa. It can make you really sick. Okay. You can die. So you can literally let's, die. Let's talk about yeah. it. From, if we go back, how do you decide on a specialist? Let's start from there. Yeah. It was really easy for us because we are going to this geriatrics and so not everyone's <laughs> on your team, right? You're in a retirement village. Yeah. So there's only one IVF specialist. <laughs> no, but I literally said, I explained, I said, listen, I'm an aspiring actor. We're probably not going to naturally try until our early 40s. And the doctor goes, great, these young, healthy embryos at 37 in your 45-year-old body, happy days. Amazing. And so as soon as someone said that, and I know there's other things down the road like transfer and whatnot, and he's like, you obviously would need to really look after your health and there'd be a lot of things that you'd have to make sure are happy days beforehand. He's like, but you naturally conceiving at 45 is less than 1%. Yeah. And I was like. Is it really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, less than so 1% what, what, at 45. Do you yeah. know what the difference between putting a 36-year-old embryo in a 36-year-old is to putting a 36-year-old embryo in a 45-year-old? Are they much the same? According or? to the specialist, it's yeah. got to do with the age of the embryo, not yeah. so much the age of the vessel. Yeah. But, but of course, like, you have yeah. to still be on all, all the amazing stuff that you've been on. Like, yeah. you treat it like preconception. Yeah. But I mean, in all honesty, we I reckon early forties will try naturally. Yeah. And then that'll be, you know, if it's if we struggle. So I'm just getting back to the embryo thing, because I'm trying to wrap my head around it. So you go in and put the embryo in, it's popped in, and then hopefully your body takes to it and you fall pregnant. If you were just to choose to do your eggs, what is the process that way? So what happens is with us, when I was uh, so also fun fact, I was awake for the procedure. So oh, the green whistle can you choose was that, or is that a? It was a thing that the, the clinic and the doctor liked, and he was like, in Victoria though, it's mandated that you go un- fully under right. a general anaesthetic. And I was like, oh, do you understand why now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely yes, absolutely. Hang on, are you a fully awake, mate? But I, are you moving? Like, can you move your hands? I thought, oh yeah, you're feeding yourself the green whistle, which is a like non-opioid painkiller that was my best friend can you feel the movement in there of what they're doing i felt everything i felt them suck each follicle. Oh, stop it but you're not meant to so something happened with they gave me a valium and two panadol that's not much <laughs> jesus christ i swear i found that's breakfast <laughs> <laughs> one valium mate i was like would you give two anyway <laughs> Give me an endo. You're I'm, going inside my hole. Sorry. We're going inside my... Well, and what happens? Do you want to know what happens? Yes. Yeah. So literally your legs are up in those syrupy things and you're laying on your back and the doctor's got this bit of gauze and he's like, this is going to hurt. Boom, straight up in your vagina, like cleaning to clean out. Yeah. So and he's like, and again, boom. And I hadn't had any of the painkiller then. I saw, the nurse saw my face just be like... <gasps> And she's like, okay, so here's the green whistle. Here's how to use it. If you need a double dose, put your hand over. There's like a charcoal thing on the top because you have to inhale and exhale through this whistle thing. It's called pantherox or something. You might know the name, like the nice name of it, like the official name. 
And as soon as she saw my face, she's like, I want you to block the filter on the top so you're getting a double dose. And she's like, I want you to deep breathe and I want you to hold your breath. And so like basically I was getting a triple dose. I remember all I remember is looking at the ceiling going, I don't ever want to do this again. I and then my, but, but then my mum called my mum's a, a incredible theatre nurse and she goes, we all say that in labour, Mark yeah. one. Yeah. She goes, and then you're back there, yeah. second one down yeah. the line. So she's yeah. like, "We." It, she goes, you sound like someone that's just had something uncomfortable they would totally do again. Yeah. 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 All right, so you've chosen your specialist. Yeah. What then happens? It becomes really quick when you get the green light. So you've got to make sure that you've done quite a lot of tests. So you check, you probably have people in here talking about AMH levels, which kind of tells you your egg Ish, reserve. But go, no, for go for it. So it kind of gives you a rough idea of your egg reserve, not the quality, but just kind of like how many are kind of there. And I'm definitely using non-scientific medical ways Please to don't. say Thank this. Thank you, because now well, I can, I can actually understand I, you. It's the only way I understand it too. So you have to get all these blood tests and whatnot and blood work done beforehand. Doctor will check them. You have to go in for like a pre-pelvic ultrasound, literally a dildo going up there having a mm. squeeze around. Yep, I'm seeing lots of nods. Mm. Yes. My boyfriend was there for all of it. He's like actually How phenomenal. How did he feel? He, so I actually think the, the – he had to go through a bit, so he had to give sperm samples, right? And they and so sperm has to be tested within 40 minutes of the sample. So it's not like we could just enjoy ourselves at home and then he could just whip yeah. on down to the pathology lab and show them his sample. No, no, no. He had to do one in a hospital and he's like, oh, my God, I was in a disabled toilet. Oh, I could hear it. people in the waiting room. And he's Catholic and so there was pictures of the Pope. It was like a St. Vincent or something that he's oh like, my, my Catholic guilt. And he's like, and then I'm trying to masturbate into a cup. And like, and, he's and like, so they the, don't give you material? No material. Did, he just had to No Google. Wi-Fi. He was oh, like, no Wi-Fi. And he went out and he was like, guys, I need to log yeah. into internet. But it's blocked all, like Pornhub is blocked. Oh, everything that's is ridiculous. Blocked. So he's like, oh, he goes, I got so creative. I went down red. <laughs> He was reading about couples gone wild. <laughs> so good. But at the actual clinic, so on the day where my eggs were exposed to his sperm, mm-hmm. they moved him into, he had a private room and it was this picture of a, <laughs> he did an Insta story about it, this picture of like the back of like imagine like a 90s model oh, and yeah. it's just the back of her with like linen draped around the small of her back. That's it. That's but it. there was porn on her TV. So okay. he was, it was fine. But seriously, you're like, come on, we've got access to everything nowadays. That linen draped is not going to do it. So like, funny. We can Google any niche we want. That linen drape is not going to cut so it. So funny. And so he was doing that at the same time that I was having them sucked out or the eggs sucked out. And then literally when you're getting it done, there's a little hole in the theatre room and it's literally the scientist handing it into the lab. Get and out. it's like still warm. I just yeah, imagine like being one, him and handing two. that up. Like I know that you went through more. He's but handing someone else like a still warm vessel of your spoof must feel weird. He goes, they were like young girls at reception yeah. too and he was just like, yep, there, there, yeah. there you yeah. go. You get embarrassed yeah. enough yeah. handing over your warm pee, let alone. Yeah, true. I feel like you get over the pee stuff pretty quickly. Even yeah. for me with the testing, I was like, ah, yeah, you're in a sample, all done. Yes, it was the first week of the day, all good. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get quite used to it, I guess. And I imagine masturbating and then having to go, oh, here it is, literally just finished. I feel like something happens with like, I don't know if it happens, I've obviously never had a Bambino, but something definitely happens with the IVF stuff where you quickly lose your filter. Like I was calling my favourite nurse up at the clinic, I was like, 
Helen, there's mucus. It looks like I'm ovulating. There shouldn't be ovulation <laughs> around here. And she's like, she's like, don't worry, you start the antagonist tomorrow, which is the second needle that stops you ovulating. And I was like, yeah, but does this mean I'm getting ovulating? And like you are literally telling her. And like I had quite a strong reaction to the first few days of the needles and full-blown diarrhea like you wouldn't believe. You don't hold back in oh, telling yeah. You know, it's like I well, I feel like I feel like the podcast has done that to us. Yes. Like because we often say this is one of the best parts of the job is that someone sits down and you're allowed to ask them questions within three minutes that normally you'd have to wait weeks before yeah. you could, you know, many meetings yeah. before it would be appropriate to ask that to someone out in the wild. And so I do feel like I have this, I mean, I didn't have a filter before we started this, but now I feel even more like I get into these conversations with people at a dinner party and I'm like, oh, did I overstep the mark No, my favourite is where you guys like, oh, in labour, all the poo. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Because, like, I haven't been through labour yet. And I'm like, okay, so poo is going to be there for sure. These are the conversations we need to have. And then my brain's like, well, a water birth. Oh, and then I think Dr. Timmy was like, you've potentially got poo or in your water and the water becomes murky and I'm like, oh, my God, which pooey water right now? (laughs) Yeah, no, your partner needs to have a tool belt with a little sieve in it to fish it out. So you've got the specialist appointment. You've chosen your specialist. When do you start doing hormone treatment? Is that before you jizz in a cup and you both do this? No, so you've got to do all the testing first. Oh, at first. Yeah, he had to jizz in a cup twice, once because he didn't know about the 40-minute window and he was Mm. like, so proud, rocked into the doctor for our first day of blood test. And he was like, and this is my, and she's like, literally looked at it and she didn't even touch it. She's like, yep, you cannot do that here. (laughs) So he had to go do that again. And then so from the specialist appointment and once the green light is there, they're happy with all your results, they're happy with all the ultrasound, everything. That's how I found out I had PCOS as well. I had no idea. He was like, oh, there's a bit of mild PCOS. And I'm like, do you want me to do anything about that? Because yeah. obviously nutritionally my brain was like, oh, fibre. Oh. And also mm. like my brain was kind of in that mode. He was like, no, no, we'll be right. We'll be right. Oh, okay. What is PCOS just for people listening? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. Which, so you never experienced ultra painful periods? I've had no symptoms. Or- Often it's more like really irregular. You can have irregular long cycles. Super long. Yeah. And then literally once you get the green light, they send you straight into like injection training so you have to rock up to the clinic sit down with a nurse and you have to learn how to administer the drugs essentially or the medicines so to yourself to yourself or if Matt wanted to do it for me but I wanted to do I'm a control freak so I was always going to try and do it myself and so one one was really easy one's like a diabetes pen yep and with a tiny winnie needle that you literally feel nothing right and because they trick you and that's like the day, the one you do for the first four days, you're like, oh, I got this in the bag. As the second you start this antagonist one, there was an actual, you're pulling out an actual needle, you're fully like inject, and it's a thicker, is it called a barrel? But it's a thicker, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and can you, you do it? You just put it into yourself. Yeah, How mate. do you have the strength to do that? Like, do you um, know what I mean? Like I would go, oh, I can't do it. Even if it wasn't going to hurt, you look at that and you're like, I don't want to do that to yeah. myself. Yeah. I, so I was just like, I took a big breath in and then on the exhale, I'd go in. I learned really quickly. The slower I went, the more it hurt. So I was like, I'd try okay. the dart method. Oh, and shoot. then, but I also bought numbing cream for that one. And I'd put numbing cream on like half an hour. You kind of get used to it. And you know, you're doing it for like 10 days. So your brain's like, suck it up for 10 days, Lola. How often? Once or twice? So you do, you have to, they're time specific as well. So I was doing mine at 8 a.m. every morning. So for four days, you're just doing the follicle stimulating hormone. 
And then on that fifth day, they'll bring you in with the one that's going to stop you ovulating. So you keep building, right? right? And that's when I found symptoms started to kind of like kick in a little bit. And then it's not until you do the trigger. And so when it's trigger and I had to change all my trigger drugs because of the hyperstimulation, but you have to give like two simultaneously that night. So on that day, there were four needles, wow. one day off and then procedure. Did you have any issues with needles before, like Mate. any kind of needle phobia? Yes. Or, yeah. Ah, can't stand it. Yeah. No, you had to put numbing cream on it. I've got really deep veins and I've had like nurses go in there that have tried to take blood oh. and like <laughs> swimming around with the needle. So like I... Can't stand it, mate. Can't stand it. But so how did you get over that though? The numbing cream for the so the first one, because it was the diabetes one, and I had a nice little pocket of fat going, I was ready to go kind of thing. And the diabetes one, it's so skinny that it's nothing. Like it really feels like a 0.5 out of 10 on the yeah, pain scale. Yeah, yeah. It's that second one that you like can feel it kind of pushing mm. against. And my mum is a nurse and she came up for the second half of my injections and she was like, make sure you inject slow. So I made sure the liquid would go in slow oh so that God. it wasn't, you know, when sometimes you get local or something, you can feel, feel the pressure of it. Yeah. None of that because I went really, really slow both times. But the trick was you had to speed up the dark. And I would use the numbing cream. So I was just able to kind of get my hand on it. But you also have to do blood tests on certain days, other ultrasounds on certain days. So by then I was like, take it, mate. Go for gold. Like you get quite over one way to face the fear. I I feel like it's kind of when you're pregnant, you have so many pregnancy blood tests that by the end of it, you're like, if you were like afraid, by the end you're just like, oh, my gosh. Or it's even worse. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. I, it felt like that. I felt like I was just like, ah, it's another pinprick, just go for it. And it's pretty quick. Every time everything's quite quick, like things over in like 10 seconds. Oh, sometimes it's more the getting your head around. It's all I think prelude. it's the doing it to, to yourself part that's yeah. getting your head around that. The thing I think about with this procedure and this process is how those hormones affect you <sighs> mentally and hormonally and physically. But like what side effects did you yes. have? So. Okay, so when I went in for that, you meant to have a scan, I think it's day six and nine or something like that, with the procedure potentially happening on like anywhere from day 10, 11 or 12, so the procedure being the egg collection, yeah. right? And so I had my first scan, so I went in for my blood test in the morning and then you have your scan in the arvo, so the doctor's got your estrogen levels, right? And so walked in, had my scan, and he was like, listen, we're going to hope for five follicles because that means we can go ahead with the collection so that's Usually, usually it's one to two eggs per follicle, but from what I can understand, it's usually one per follicle. Again, could be totally wrong. It's just from my experience. And he's doing the ultrasound. He's like, oh, oh, uh, we've got 22 here. So I was like, oh, A plus. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, this is, if this is geriatric, (laughs) sign me up. Like, And I go to him, um, I was like, oh, and I got the blood test this morning. He's like, yeah, we'll check estrogen when I don't have something inside your vagina, effectively. <laughs> so then we're sitting down, he's with the estrogen, and he goes, ah. Oh. And I could, you know, when you just know, you're like, oh, yeah. this has turned a corner. And he's like, right, so hyperstimulation is very real here. There is a chance that it can be fatal. And I was like, what? And he goes, yep, so you can die from hyperstimulation. And I was like, pretty sure I'm doing this so I've got a bit more career time not to die <laughs> so yeah. I, my brain was just like <gasps> and he's like right so the triggers that I'd, I'd already bought all my medicines which was really expensive because of the no rebate thing yeah. I paid the normal price which was $127 and then three minutes later they called me back and said you're not covered by Medicare it's $1,827 so my trigger so was included zero. yeah 
And so I'd already paid for my trigger and um, and he goes, look, I'm really sorry, you cannot use that trigger. You will be at high risk of hyperstimulation. So basically some of the triggers have got pregnancy hormone in it, which are going to obviously keep you producing all your hormones. He said, we need to put you on a different trigger, which literally, from what I can understand, mine stops your hormone. Like it literally stops them. And he goes- How annoying. This is the thing though, I thought the- the original trigger would make me feel kind of good because I'm like, oh, I felt good the first few days. You've got all this nice hormones like flying around but feeling good. Like my nails grew more, you know, my skin felt. Mum's like, oh, your skin looks great, hair looks great. But as soon as I walked out of the scan, I had a call from the nurse straight away going, you must get to the chemist now. We've pulled your procedure day forward. You are not getting a second scan. And it was all kind of like change your trigger or this is not going to be good. Yeah. And so the next day we quickly went, got the trigger, sped it all up like that night was the night that I injected the triggers and then you get one day free and then you then the procedure but what I didn't know is like because I was in this risk of hyper all of the sudden like the next morning all my skin was tingling and I was consistently nauseous the whole day full completely you can't walk properly because your ovaries aren't where they're meant to be either they're taking all this extra space like literally grapefruits on each side and so you can't, like and you were talking about like being pregnant when you turn in, I was getting these like pains when I'd turn in the yeah. bed and stuff and I was like, shit, this is only a two weeks of what pregnancy could be like. But I've spoken to mates who have gone through pregnancy, not IVF, and they're like, no, no, pregnancy is like an ache and it's like there's no, sh- you, the, the sharp and It sounds like there's a bit more of a build-up. Like you yeah, literally went from like zero to zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and the nausea was crazy. So that was like constant from the moment I woke up to going to sleep, constant. I never threw up, but it was just like this under. I Which imagine it's almost what, worse, I think. I feel like it's almost what morning sickness would be. Yeah, Maybe like, like it nausea. just doesn't go. Yeah. It just was, and you're kind of like, am I going to get through this meal? It's a lucky dip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of feeling and then the really tingly skin and I called the nurse and I was like, what's going on? She's like, yeah, estrogen's way too high. Yeah, so that so was... So were you ever moody? Like were you, did you ever have... Not until after. So, and I didn't know this. The doctor goes, because we're going to change a trigger, you will still get all the symptoms of hyperstimulation. You just won't die from it. And I was like, oh, how wonderful how for me. How is just like, well, <laughs> I kind of like blunt though. I, yeah, I'm yeah. someone that likes information. Sure, so there like, you go. <laughs> you know, and just straight down the yeah. lines, so then I can mentally prepare. And I was like, okay. And so basically I felt great the day after I took the trigger because it kind of stopped me yeah. overproducing, right? And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to enjoy my meals again. This is great. Then had the procedure the next day. And then basically what was happening is progressively over the next five to seven days, my hormones were just bombing out, right? Because that trigger was stopping me creating anything. When you use a different trigger, it allows the body to kind of like replenish. and You can kind of keep your, yeah. that's why people go, oh, I did my egg collection. I worked the next day. Yeah. I still felt fine. I was like, not okay mentally as well and because you're also waiting for these calls from the embryologist so because Matt and Mm. I had decided to of the eggs that were collected to fertilize them and then to get them to embryos now they've got to live to at least five days right so all the cell division can be great on day one it can be great on day three and you're getting calls day one day three day five in our case day six and day seven and at the same time your hormone levels are literally in the gutter so your mental capacity to deal with stress is just gone or i just think your entire life is in limbo like I'm I'm assuming that you have some flexibility with your work, which would have been beneficial in this case. But I'm thinking about, and this isn't taking away from your experience, but I'm thinking about a 
a lady who goes to maybe a more conventional nine to five job totally. and you're going collection could be on day 10 or day 11 or day 12. Oh no, actually we've noticed you're overstimulating. So we're bringing that forward. And you might not be the kind of person who wants to tell their boss or their colleagues what they're going totally. through. And you're looking at a full week of meetings going, oh, well, like any of those three days, I might not be able to be here. And then I don't know how many days I'm going to need off after. Like that's really It's a so lot confronting. Hard. I've had friends that have nine to five jobs and they've actually taken leave. Yeah. Just so that they can do it privately and recover well mm. as well. But, yeah, it's to- I'm so lucky because I live a weird artist job. Yeah. But, and, uh, you know, like I was going to fly a week later, but I just intuitively was like, ah, I'm going to fly two weeks later. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. I would have hated to have been on a flight, you know, five or seven days later. Gosh, no way. And then so if you produce 22 follicles, are they like the same quality as if you had have done five? Like is it like 22 is 22 times better than and what's having follicles? one? 22 what? So a follicle will have an egg in it, right? Oh, so 22 eggs. That's what one would think, yeah. So, But I had a few complications. So on my left side, some of the follicles were hidden behind a major artery and so he was like, if I go there, like really dangerous. You'll die. Yeah, thank you, yes. Uh, and then probably how you put him down now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we ended up getting 14 eggs on that collection day, but I went in my head, I was like, oh, my God, 22. So because I thought I was going to get, I went in so naive. I thought, oh, I'm going to get 22. So I actually changed my consent form where we were going to go for 14 to be fertilised and then any surplus over 14 that was more than six, so 20. If we got 20 yeah. eggs, 21, they were going to be eggs just chucked on ice. Mm. I had this whole grand plan. I was like, one and done, you know, like, <laughs> where's it? Anyway, so it was only ever going to happen if the surplus hit more than six plus four, so more than 20 eggs. So I could hear, I was fully awake. So I could hear them go one, two, three, and it got to like 15. And then he was like, I can't get to these really immature ones. So they're not all mature. They're not all good to go. So on the day, 14 and we're wrapped 14 yeah. like I'm sitting in the waiting room before I go in and they're like to the patient for me we got seven you know and Matt and I are looking at each other going oh my god like this is a lot like how are they feeling we got you know so you get 14 you're like happy days but that meant all were fertilized because it wasn't more yeah. than 20 so we knew we were going just for embryos the second that happened which was kind of like a nice peace of mind anyway I was like great one mm. one less thing to think yeah. about and then what they do is of those 14, they check which ones are healthy. So four were immature, totally not viable, and two were abnormal in the bin. So you had so many, but you see how quickly. Wow. And this is common. Yeah. I had no idea. This is really normal. So then we end up with eight, right? So from 14 to eight straight away. Well, kind of 22 to eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally normal. This is what happened. Like, I just didn't know this mm. going in. And then of those eight, they naturally introduced mat sperm to the egg, but they can use a thing called ICSI, which is where they literally inject each egg with the sperm. But because mat sperm was super healthy, they were like, no, nah, we're just going to do it. So how do you oh, naturally like- introduce a sperm to the egg? What <laughs> I literally think they just put in a Petri dish, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it was before dating apps. You just yeah. walk into a bar. <laughs> You see yeah. someone across the bar that you're into. <laughs> Nowadays, it's all, you know, online. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it literally, I think it's that simple. Like, it is literally a Petri dish. Far out. I think. And then, Rather than injecting it into the egg. So, yeah, so that so would inject some sort of, like, you know, 
they're having a little bit of their own. It's a little less forceful. (laughs) Yeah, and and you're getting natural salt. Like that is nature as well coming into play here. And then we get your day one call the next day. So we're like all we knew was 14 eggs and we're like, yes, 14 eggs. And I get this call from the embryologist, yep, hey, so six have survived overnight. And I was like, what? Have you got the right person? Yeah. And they're like, no, no. So and they explained like of the 14, it was down to eight and then over that first night uh, that were fertilised, of the eight, six are happy days. And I was like, oh, my God. So then I had a massive meltdown. Also, my hormones are bombing, right? So you, you're you having, like, not a normal meltdown. You're no, having, no, no, like, no. a volcano yeah. meltdown. And then I was like, okay, we've just got to hold in till day five. Let's just get it. And by that stage, I was like, I want this done. I want to, like, my mental health is really suffering. I was booking in extra therapy sessions I can chakra healings, mate, you name it. I was doing everything. Oh, yeah. And what was yeah. your biggest thing, your worry that it was going to be at zero before you had the chance to even get started? Spot on. Yeah. And I knew how much I struggled with it and because of the hyperstimulation that I didn't really want to jump straight into doing it again. Sure, yeah. that might change in a year's time or when I've got a little bit more spare cash or whatever, but I knew I didn't want to go into a back-to-back cycle, which a no. lot of women do. So I knew straight away with another interesting thing with the hyperstimulation, you cannot do a natural transfer. So a natural transfer is on day five where they're like, one of these embryos is good to go, come back in, they put you back in the horse stirrups, doctor goes clear and they shoot it up. Which but is you didn't want to get pregnant now. No, anyway. not at all. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. is a medical th- You yeah. cannot, like, do it. No, absolutely Hang not. On. What is the other option? Well, what, well, I, what we're doing, which is freezing it. Oh, but, so, but so the even if someone's same. doing IVF, sometimes their first one, it never gets frozen. They just put it straight back okay, in as a transfer. But for you, if it's a hyper, they have to be frozen first. Correct. But also because she doesn't yeah, want to be pregnant. We do not want Yeah, But did you go in with a number that you were like, if it's less than this number, because your future planning, you obviously don't know while you're freezing them how many you're going to need. So how many did you kind of want to go, oh, we don't need to do another round. Totally. I mean, I went in so naive that when I had the 22 follicles, I was like, oh, I'm going to donate some eggs to <laughs> queer groups. I'm going to like, and yeah. I, I thought I'd get heaps, mate. I thought it'd be a party. You're like, I'm going to have 22 you babies. Can have eggs. <laughs> you can have some eggs. Everyone gets the eggs. A bit of, bit of Lola everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and I was like, I want to help people that find out all this jazz. Anyway, so I guess but when we got that first day one call when it was down to six, I was like, okay, I need to do some research. And that was when I needed to educate myself. And then I read that it's between 25 and 30% of the fertilised. So of those six, we'd be lucky to get two. I knew that. I knew that on day one. So when I knew that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is not the insurance policy that I bargained for in my head. And the doctor knew that too. He knew I was going in just for that real future planning idea. But he did also call me the day I had the procedure and he goes, oh, I just want to say you did great. You know, yes, you were overstimulated, but you responded so well. We've got a few more years to do this. So I also knew in the back of my head he's like till about 39, 40, you're Mm. kind of good to keep doing cycles Mm. if you wanted to. So I knew, look. And I guess they'd go into the next cycle probably with a different regime knowing that you were sensitive I would be on different meds totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. a hundred million percent. But, yeah, and then on day three you get this call and they're like, oh, all six are dividing well. And eight years ago they would freeze on day three, right? That was the protocol. And so I was like, oh, great. 
flicking the hair, six, we got six, we're set kind of thing. And then day five rolls around and I literally am just like, oh, come on, let's let this like, it's quite traumatic. Let's let this trauma be over. And they're like, hey, so we've frozen one. <gasps> and I was like, okay. And she's like, look, we're going to keep him another night which is I found out is also normal protocol. And she's like, we're just going to see what happens with the other guys, the oh other five. Goodness. And I was like, This is okay, a roller coaster. You feel like you want to be there or you at least want to have a camera like your babysitting, like you just want to see that I, they're looking after. And like like when you leave your can. dog at the dog resort. Oh, don't even talk to me about a dog at the vet. It's like, no, 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 no. I need actually a camera on the dog to make sure that yeah. you're looking at him at all times. Otherwise, I don't feel comfortable. Isn't that how you yeah, feel? Yeah, do you know what I did? I had like YouTube the clinic and watched all their like how they're looked after, how they because every embryologist has a witness, like somebody like has another scientist over their shoulder the whole time. It's like super. Okay. Even to get your results, you have to give your full name, date of birth, even to just have the conversation to yeah. get your results for everything and then there's a portal and it said like there's all gradings for embryos too like those embryologists are like crazy smart i've had conversation i'm like okay I, I, so you're a dumb bitch compared to those <laughs> seriously like you get three words in and i'm like you've lost me like yeah this this is you're smart yeah <laughs> yeah and they're hyper focused this is yeah. their fo- like the moment the doctor is you've done your procedure they're doctor's on. like bye and they are fully but but you need to prepare yourself those calls are calls from scientists they're not your call from your nurse they're not your call from your doctor so they're not they're not dealing and they're not caring for your emotional response yeah but I find that doctors and if they are very focused like that scientists would be way more like yep we don't have any. Yep, we have one. Yep, and they're not going to go. Hey, I'm I'm going to ease into this disappointment, or I'm going to ease into this. How was the it? It was quite clinical, yeah. and I'll be really, really honest. Of all the calls I had with the scientists, only one was uncomfortable. The okay. rest were great, good. and the rest. And I do a little prayer there in the morning. And be like, please let one of the good ones call me. Please let oh, one of the good yeah. ones call me, because it just made it so much easier to digest. Because I knew in my head, like my A type quite strong person I was like I just didn't want to cry on the phone while I was getting the news I was like I could cry as much as I want after but I wanted to take it in and be clear and then cry in Matt's arms kind of thing but yeah so the call on day five was like we've got one and I broke in down and she's like don't worry you know we're going to check in tomorrow get the call Saturday and she's like we've frozen one more so two and I was like, okay, but there's four others and like hopeful, you know, and she's like, I'm going to be really honest with you. We rarely freeze on day seven. And she's like, but we'll keep them there and I will call you tomorrow morning. And then the next morning I practiced still as a nutritionist and I had an IVF patient. And in the middle of that consult was when they called me for the final call, which obviously I didn't take because I was in consult with someone. And I remember just getting off the consult and just calling. I said to Matt, what do I do? He's like, call straight away, rip the bandaid off. And they were like, nothing has been frozen you've got two in total two out and they said two out of six is 33.3 percent it's a great outcome of the six embryos and I was like so that took a lot of time to change my mind from oh my god 22 follicles which is where I feel like I still am for you like I'm like oh you went from 22 to two but 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 then imagine if I just froze the eggs right so there were eight that were viable right of the eggs that were healthy now uh the fertility specialist I work with says you need 15 eggs for one embryo Right. Down the track. Like, so say I wanted to use somebody else's sperm down the track or Matt's, but whatever, of those eight, they might not even have all thawed. I could have lost them all in the thaw. So I guess freezing your eggs can sometimes lull you into a false sense of security Mm. because you're like, I've got all these eggs, but 
I think the doctors would like would make yeah, you yeah, do yeah. more rounds. I think they like fifteen to twenty, yeah, or even more sometimes. So I think they will go, yo, you do need more. Like the doctor do you called me. They would say yo though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <probably. Yola. laughs> Come back in, babe. <laughs> but my doctor called me in full honesty, and he was like, "Look, you know, this isn't the insurance policy that you're after. Yeah. I recommend we do another round in January." And I said, "I can't mentally." I said, yeah. "I I need to mentally and physically feel good again." I put on seven yeah. kilos through the process, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I just feel like I've lost myself a little bit." Yeah. And I said, "I go back to America at that time of the year, and you're telling me a week later to get on a flight to America and work as an act, like be auditioning yeah. as an actor and not feeling mentally or physically myself." I said, "That's not something that." And the money, I said, I can't. Because I said, oh, well, because we're not happy with the result, you, you know, you're telling me this isn't. It's not social anymore, right? Yeah, and he yeah. was like, no, you're still social. So you still would get no rebate. And I was like, well, there's my answer. Like, So it took lots of work with my therapist. My therapist is like, first of all, let's talk about the stats. Two is a great outcome, a really great outcome for your first cycle. Like I said, a lot of women do two, three cycles with zero. Wow. Yeah, that's common really common and I, I've been binging your podcast love it by the way thanks but you know how like when you're pregnant people come up to you and tell you they're either horror stories or like what you should be doing or you should be doing that happens with IVF yeah too uh-huh. like I can't tell you I shared a lot of it on Insta and I can't tell you how many people were like oh this is gonna happen to you this this or this happened to me yeah. and, and there are a lot of horror stories of not just even one cycle with zero we're talking like 50 grand and like yeah. five, six cycles. It's really full on. So we feel Do you lucky. know the thing I find wild though is that because the technology is available, I feel like freezing your eggs is just thrown around as this like go out for lunch. You know, and it's, yeah. oh, Google's offering there and yeah. they'll freeze your Spotify, eggs for free. And yeah. it's like, okay, great that the cost is taken away. It's not like going and getting Botox or, but you know what I mean? Like it's just thrown around as this like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You just freeze your eggs and then in the future you just go and get pregnant. Like it's not. Well, I never knew any of this. Like I knew that it was to somewhat a a journey hormonally. I knew that you had to use needles, but I didn't know. I think for me or anyone that has, like even if someone doesn't have anxiety, in a situation like that, to be waiting on phone calls on such a huge moment in your life would be so stressful. Like how often, what's the cycle for that whole experience? From like day one of injecting yeah. to being out the other side, it's like 21, 22 That's days. That's a long time yeah. when you were and going it's your through world. that. Yeah. Everything else drops yeah. away. Like, I think we were messaging. I don't know who I was messaging. Out of Probably Peter. a bit of both. Yeah. But and, Jophie. And I was like, <laughs> I like that, Jophie. And I really wanted to speak honestly on here, but I remember saying I just need to get out the other side yeah, so yeah. that I could be because we. Were, I was literally, I think, day five of injecting when we were messaging yeah. initially and I thought if I can ha- have had the whole experience. Oh, totally. and, yeah. And it was really hard for me and I'm not telling women not to do it at all. Like I think it can be really empowering and I think that I do have a, such a huge sense of gratitude for going through it and I do think that we do have an insurance policy that we didn't have six weeks ago, mm. four weeks ago, you know, but it did cost me mentally and physically mm. and I wanted to be out the other side of that to be able to be honest about that. And like I also knew like we're going in at 37, I know that 
everyone says do do it earlier thirties and whatnot. But like we are also the average age of people in IVF, oh, right? Yay. And the younger end of people in IVF. And I just thought there is no way you could pay me to work with people that just can't like hold you for whatever you guys. And that same specialist was like, well, you need to know now exactly how many kids you want. And I was like, is this going to be fifteen k a pop? And he's like, yes. And I was like, one and a dog is fine, mate. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So there was a lot of there's a lot of the other side of it, which is what made us change and we found a great specialist and so did you go into this process like do you have a list that goes this is when we're ready because you know like I think that yours is going to have to be she's gonna have to be on a billboard (laughs) yeah. <laughs> on sunset. She, yeah. she only needs yeah. a late night show first. That's all. But as in, you know, a surprise pregnancy can be shocking, but a decision is often made yeah. for you. So th- there can be disadvantages of having to make that conscious decision because how do we ever feel ready totally. for a child? Totally. So for me, I want to make sure that I'm an American citizen before mm-hmm. that because that means I can be in Australia and raise a kid, like do all the healthcare stuff that I want early on, whereas I can't do that well no. before I'm a citizen. And that's time down to the month. Like I know exactly how old I'll yeah. be when that'll happen. That was another key player. I was like, I'm not even going to be allowed to be out of the country for more than six months until I'm 40 and also like understanding LA and Hollywood and the beautiful but brutal beast that it is, it's probably going to be a three-year slog for me to even get something on Grey's Anatomy, put it that way, Mm -hmm. like a procedural drama. So for me, I think we would be assessing it in quite a few different ways. Like have we both felt like we've pursued our dreams to the level that we're like, oh, this is kind of humming a little bit now because at the moment it's we're in the fight. We kind of feel like we're in the trenches a bit going, oh, you know, you're really, it is your sole goal kind of thing. And then as a result of that, hopefully we'd be a little bit more, we're not financially set up to have a kid right now, like mortgage payments are full on, you know. And so there are a few things that we want to make sure that we've at least got just a few Things that are locked in as far as like just being ready in that sense. But also like, mate, sure, a surprise might happen. We're both Virgos as we're like crazy diligent in everything. So there won't be a surprise. (laughs) Everything is I'm a Virgo and you've had surprise. Have you had this one is the only surprise. (gasps) Oh, wow. Which took me some, you know, I'm so grateful that it happened so easily. But that took me some getting used to because yeah. I was like, what do you mean? I didn't plan. Mm. Yeah. And I can get that. I think, look, if that happened, we'd cross that bridge. If we yeah. go, and we'd feel so grateful. Like we'd yeah. get to that point, again, both being in therapy constantly. Mm. But I think there's just a few dream things that we just want to know. We've really rattled that cage. And I'm not being negative, but I just want to play no. devil's advocate because yeah, I know do. that whenever you listen to these things, you want to shout yeah. them. What if you're 40 yeah. and you land a dream TV show. Yeah, so that was the exact reason of doing this. So at 40 is kind of when that AMH level, so your egg reserve really mm-hmm. kind of like takes a dive from everything I've been told. So if at 40, if we, and we've both done, a, again, a lot of therapy around this choice, if I landed like the dream acting next to Brad Pitt or something like that, like massive. And usually remember if you're acting in something like that, that movie doesn't come out for a year. The press from that doesn't come out. You don't then get the work off the back of it Mm. until like a year or two down the track so you need to be available to Mm. work. 
So if something happened at 40 dream-wise, I'd probably chase the dream. Yeah. And I'd be putting it off to trying at 42. Yeah. And knowing very well that the risks would be harder. Yeah. And I think for us, we'd try naturally 41, 42, 43. I think after that it gets, from what the doc said, a lot trickier. Yeah. But I'd be working with a fertility specialist the whole way, even yeah. if we were doing it naturally. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole way, the Virgo yeah. in me is like yeah. build your team, you know. Yeah. So I think that we'd probably go dreams for now. Yeah. yeah. Only just have no regrets. Even my boyfriend's like, you and I, we're going to have an accountant, Lola, like, because we're both so like, <laughs> chase your dreams, be creative. And he's like, 100%, it's going to be like the opposite of us. Oh, my gosh. gosh. So how important do you think it is in this process for people to have someone to talk to, whether it be a therapist or someone that has gone through this Do you think that's something people should consider on top of the procedure and the process? Absolutely. Mental health for me is a non-negotiable, but I think also when you're going through something where your hormones are being mucked with, which obviously is going to affect your emotion, also as someone that's had eating disorders in the past and body dysmorphia, I want someone that can help me understand that it's okay that my body is going to change for this mm. period of time and kind of like process that as well. And the nurses are phenomenal, but like, you know, when you call the nurses, like you don't have this friendship with them. I'm sure if you've done extra more than one cycle, you might, but like I didn't have a history with the yeah. nurse that I was with. So I didn't want to be like, sup, let's just chat yeah. about how I'm feeling fat today. Like, you know, you yeah. can't just, whereas a th- my therapist, I can be like, I'm really confronted by the thought of holding weight and fluid. You know what I mean? You can, mm. and that's just a nothing kind of example. But like when I was in it, I was like, oh, this is making me realize I really do want to be a mother mm. because I am starting to realize what I would do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Definitely therapy, 100%, and potentially for the partner because, remember, my partner's holding me while I'm going through all of this. I think it's just so important to have somebody that's able to sit with you. Like I booked in with my therapist the day after I got the final call and he goes, Lola, this is such a win. Like drop the resentment now. Because mm. I was like, 22 follicles, why is there only mm. two? Embryos. And he's like, do you know the stats? The fact that you have two really healthy embryos, he's like, you are so lucky. And he's like, it could have been zero. And mm. the chances of being zero are pretty up there. Like, so, so, so lucky. He's, he's like, your mentality. Yeah. And he's like, they are so much more viable. You do have a better chance with them, you know, like, and all the things that I kind of, had ignored because I was so in that like your brain kind of flicks to a negative bias or it did for Mm. me anyway and so therapy a hundred percent but not even just for this like I think pregnancy I think any change and yes any change in life you guys will be able to speak to this way better than me I haven't woken up one morning morning and been like I have to be a mum that hasn't happened yet and I know that it really happens for some women but it hasn't happened for me yet but then I see but just knowing that that has no impact over what you will be like as a mum. But I think also in America, like career is like numero uno. Oh, mm. It has to be though, right? It, totally. But you talk about, you say to someone, oh, I'm going to, I remember I just made the decision when I was in America. I was like, I think I'm going to freeze my eggs, you know, and we're not ready to have kids yet. And they're like, cool. 
They're like just like great, yeah, mid forties, great age to have a kid. Like yeah, yeah, you know. And it also, I think like I remember when I came back to Australia the first time I went to LA, middle of the pandemic. I came back because I had a book coming out, and I was in hotel quarantine. I just did Q and A, like, why do you think I'm coming back? But it was really because I was like, yeah, the book, right? Yeah. And um, everyone was like, you're having a kid. You need to come back to have a kid. Oh. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that was really confronting to me because at that stage, even the thought of freezing my eggs was too much for me. Mm. Like I was like, no, 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 I don't want to. I think for me the eating disorder thing was a huge like I had to really sit with that even to be able when to When did inject, that happen? 23, but it takes about 10 years to, for me, it took about 10 years to fully come out the other side of and it. And was it like, if you don't mind me asking, no, was it bulimia or anorexia? Anorexia. Wow, okay. Yeah, and full-blown, just like controlled. I think I was down to like 250 calories some days, like 43 kilos. And how did you come out the other side? Yeah. My mum is a nurse and she can be tough love when she wants to. And I'd been at a work event where I had to walk upstairs at Crown Palladium and I was getting heart pains. And I ate the dinner that night because it was like a sit-down meal. And the next day all my ankles were swelling, like swollen. So I was getting these signs that like your body ain't handling life right now. My mum called me the next day and I was like, I think I've got swollen ankles. There's something wrong with my kidneys. And she's like, if you don't eat something, I will march you into the hospital my fucking self. And because she's so like, Mm, so that was a pretty good turning point. And I hadn't had therapy at that stage And were you a nutritionist before that or did you become one as a result of your recovery? No, so I've always been into health and nutrition and and more foodie. I was more of a foodie, like I'd done on my chef course, like knife skills course, like raw Mm. food prep. Like I was really into, I want to be the Steve Irwin of fruits and veggies. Like that was my jam. (laughs) And then I was working in morning television, all before Podland, all before Instagram. This was like MySpace days, you know. Yeah, I'm much older, girls. Hey, 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 you're only (laughs) two years older than me. You look so fresh. Stop it, it's Botox. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember I did a morning TV segment in Melbourne and I would also work at Pram Market in the fruit Mm. and veg section after and TV was always like you'd film it in the morning so I could quickly wash my makeup off and go and work in the afternoon. Someone walked up to me and was like, I liked your segment. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. And I remember I'd worn this yellow floral dress because I was talking about hydration and I thought oh how funny it's color all we like let's just <laughs> you know and um and she's like you should never wear yellow on tv it makes you look pudgy <gasps> and so those kind of and I was only 23 like that's pretty young and like on youtube clips would go up Here and they'd be comes. like failure of a nutritionist she's fat da 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 so that then led Aww. me on to so in with that in mind how do you take on this acting career that is so judgmental, you're going to have people saying everything about you from appearance to your talent. Like, have you been taught with your therapist how to overcome and not let people worry you? So I learned really on even before therapy, like when I was coming out the other side of the eating disorder. So I came out the eating disorder through binge eating. So my weight would yo-yo dramatically. Mm. And so I quickly learned I reckon by late 20s, I was like, I'm always going to be too fat for someone and too skinny for someone else. Mm. So I better do whatever the F makes me feel happy. Mm. And so that's that was a quick thing where I was like, I'm always going to be judged. We judge people within seven seconds of meeting them, you know mm. what I mean, or listening to them or seeing them. So I figure stuff that, and I all I know is with acting, I'm always like, I want to feel clear. And when I feel clear is when I'm doing yoga and eating really well. Mm. So that kind of, if I look at my health from that perspective, mm. as opposed to needing to fit a sample size or something like that. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's kind of my mentality around it. it. 
Yeah, that's great. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being so open, sharing your journey. We cannot wait to watch yeah. whatever your journey looks like from here on out. And, yeah, thanks so much. Feelings thank mutual. You. It's so the first you. time I've spoken about it and thank you for, like, making a space because I just I kept saying to my boyfriend, I'm like, I just want to be honest so that people mm. can go, ah, oh, 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 that's the, like, and so the mm. fear's taken out of it mm. a little bit. And that's why I decided to share it on Insta because I was like, if I can make one person feel less lonely, because it can be, lo- imagine if you were single going through it, which is common. Yeah. You feel lonely. And I just think that, yeah, being educated on things makes things less scary, even if you know more of the negative parts of it. Totally. And I do feel like egg freezing, embryo freezing is thrown around, as I said, like this non-issue that then people probably do go into a specialist appointment and get the true details and go, oh, fuck, no one told me it was going to be like that. So it is nice to know that you know, you're not alone in in doing this and this is what it could actually look like. And I think every journey is different because yeah. I did talk to mates that have been through it and it kind of, it was good in some respects but it was also not because I didn't know anyone that had been hyperstimulated so mm. they were like, oh, don't worry, you don't even feel, you don't even notice it. Oh, it's the best because it's you only go on it for like 14 minutes if you go under general for it. That's the best sleep of your life and all that. And I'm like, my experience couldn't have been further. And that's the thing, like if, if you're listening to this, like I think each person will be different. And, yeah, if your mates have been through it, totally talk to them, but know that it's okay for whatever you're feeling because it's yeah. totally in case dependent. Thank yeah. you for saying that because we want to make a massive point that we – love having people's stories on we love talking about like me my mental health journey Sophie her journeys and the biggest thing about it is this is your journey you've come on today to share your experience and I'm sure there are so many other women with different experiences which we will you know at some point probably have on but we absolutely commend you for coming on and sharing with us this this raw process and I hope it helps people Thanks, guys. I hope it does too. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.